Welcome to Talking Kotlin. On this episode, I am sitting down with Anna Redmond discussing game development and Kotlin native multi-platform. Hi, Anna. Welcome to the show. Hi, Ali. It's nice to be here. Oh, thank you for taking the time to uh, come on. I believe that I I actually stumbled upon uh, a blog post of yours some time ago, uh, ah. and I started to read it, and I was really interested in what you were doing um which is when i reached out to you and said you know can we try and arrange a a sit down and discuss this it was the one that you were actually talking about how you were uh, trying to uh, teach your kids uh mathematics Ah, Um, so and i want to cover that so i'm not gonna (laughs) explain your blog post i'll let you (laughs) explain your blog i was just curious which one it was yeah yeah uh so where are you based out of i'm in seattle Oh, nice. So, is is yeah. it always raining there or is that just a lie? No. Well, it's our secret. It's your secret. So right? people, people seem to be discovering that that's not the case. I mean, summer is just absolutely heavenly. Right. So right now it's just beautiful out. Nice. So, yeah, I, nothing gets done in the summer. Yeah. Kind of like Spain, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Although lately, if you might it's, wonder if Spain, anything gets done ever. Uh, I've been wondering <laughs> that for 35 years. But anyway. Uh, so, Kotlin native, multi-platform, a whole bunch of different things that we can talk about. And uh, so, but I would like to get started a little bit in, like, because you're a mother of, of how many kids? Two, two, two. daughters. And uh, so tell me a little bit about your story. Like, where did this start oh. to develop? So I actually started building these games about seven years ago. It's almost eight, eight years now. Um, and I started it, my daughter was in kindergarten at the time, and I'm an engineer, so hence on the show. But um, she, was, um, she was in a good school, Montessori and stuff like that, you know. And, but when it came time to math, she was getting very frustrated and, you know, agitated about anything to do with math. And I was sort of very surprised. Um, and she was reading it beyond her grade level at that time. So um, so I found out that the reason for that was that they were teaching math as something to memorize instead of teaching them the concept behind, you know, even simple things like what's subtraction, what's addition. Um, so I started, I built her a game to teach that concept and addition was, you know, how we teach it at home was you put two Cheerios in the box and you add two more and then you got four. So it it was just very simple, very hands-on. And that's what I built into the game, that simulation. And how old was your kid at the time? Cause I know the kindergarten varies from uh, country to country. So here it would be a uh, five-year-old. Okay. She was five. So it's pretty early on, right? I mean. Yeah, very early on. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I'm not a helicopter parent. You know, I'm kind of very um, relaxed with parenting. But math was something it was like, why is this, you know, so bad? Because um, I was very good at math. So, um, but yeah, so that worked amazingly well. She not only just, you know, understood the concept, she really started enjoying doing math. And uh, so I published the app 
Um, and I had built it on Android because that's the phone that I had at the time and I had experience with Java, so I just built it in Android native. And, and this so was probably, around seven years ago, you said, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it would be at the end of 2011. So then I published it and it just took off. I mean, there was teachers, there was other parents who, who you know, really found it interesting, engaging, useful for the kids. Um, so it continued to build little games like that as she grew. You know, she went to first grade, I built some more and so on. And uh, then, you know, after about second grade, I think I built Fractions was the last thing I built for her around 2015. Um, and then sort of market slowed down. She'd sort of caught up in concepts, so I slowed down. But I applied for a National Science Foundation grant, and then we got that. So in 2016, we started building out not just one-off games for topics that my just my daughter needed, but the entire curriculum. Really? Using, like outside yeah. of maths as well, or just? Just or math, just but maths. the entire curriculum for math, not just, you know, a topic here or a topic there, but the whole curriculum for math. And what for, age span would this be? It's K through two now. So um, so that's six to eight-year-olds okay. or five to seven. Yeah, roughly that. Right. Okay, um, so you're not with the differentials yet, just, just yet, no? <laughs> no, 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 it, I don't think, I don't know. Yeah, well, we won't get there. Never say never, but yeah. yeah. Um, I love this age group. It's so foundational and so... Um, so they're learning so much stuff rapidly. So that K through five age group, I just love uh, building for them. Um, and then, so we built like 120 lessons and all that stuff um, for K through two. And uh, we published that. So 2016, 2017, we were publishing those, building and publishing those. And they were still native Android. Um, so we continued the platform that I had and built on top of that pulled in the games we already had and then added more stuff, did some research on it in schools. And the research also showed like amazing games and kids learning. So, and that was uh, where we were end of 2017. And then we tried to license it um, to publishers. And we were able to license it to one that's Playaway and they sell for, they sell to libraries. And so they, are, they have their custom device, so that was Android device, so that was fine. And it worked on Android. But when we tried to talk to other publishers, you know, it just kind of didn't go anywhere. And the biggest reason was we weren't um, on multiple platforms. We were Android only. So, so that was like, so we were kind of actually pretty lost about where to go from there. So, um, yeah, right around then, you know, we also didn't have any more funding, so to, um, had to let go of the rest of the team. We were five people at the peak. So, and I was, I took some time off to cure my burnout and try to figure out what to do next. And then I started learning Kotlin during that time. Um, just had this thing at the back of my mind that it should be possible to do this with Kotlin, but wasn't sure. So, so when about when was this that you started learning Kotlin? That would have been end of 2017, so December 2017. Okay, which was I think around the time that we more or less made a first comment around Kotlin native and multi-platform, right? Yeah, 
And think, was that the reason that you started looking at this or you didn't really pay attention to that part of it yet? No, that was the main reason. So um, I kind of saw, I mean, I had this vision of it should be possible, but don't know if it is. But um, so, yeah, that was definitely the reason for me to look into it. But that was very, very early on, right? I mean, you know, that's, yes. a, that's a significantly big risk because, I mean, we kind of said, yeah, so we want to do Kotlin Native that's going to target iOS. I think actually when we did the first release or close to the first announcement, we already had something working, um, if I'm not mistaken, but definitely yeah. not where we are now. Yeah. So, I mean, at that point, I didn't actually start building in Kotlin Native. I was just learning the language still. Yeah. Right. So I was just writing basic stuff. I just took the Kotlin in action book and just started trying out the samples, just understanding the language. But I think but, it's very cool that you're like the main motivation here for you was, oh, look, this is going, if I understood you correctly, right? What you were thinking yeah. was this is going multi-platform maybe yeah. I could actually use this, right? Yeah, that I could leverage this. I mean, talking about risk, you know, a risk of not doing anything was significantly higher yeah. for me. But If I don't do it, yeah, go ahead. then the company was basically dead. Yeah, but so, at that point in time, all of your code was Java, right? That's correct. Okay, all so, of it was Java. So, so end of 2017, it was all Java. Right. So then you're you you know you've reached a crossroad and you're like, okay, so there's there's uh, JetBrains talking about uh, Kotlin multi-platform. Yeah. Um, it's a language that's now officially supported by Google, mm -hmm. uh, but there are a bunch of other technologies that are cross-platform. Did you ever consider any of these before? taking this, you know, jump of, I'm just going to jump on board with Kotlin because Kotlin native. Uh, yeah, I mean, considered, but rejected pretty quickly because, so, I mean, there's obviously there's Unity. We're talking game development. So there's Unity, there's Xamarin, there was Flutter was already there. Um, there's React Native. So uh, the fundamental problem with all of those technologies is that they are a all and none, all or none um, proposition. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like if I do Unity, Xamarin, Flutter, React Native, all of those, I have to start with that platform and I have to, that's the only thing I can do. So the so fact that you had the code in Java and that the Kotlin was interoperable and you wouldn't have to essentially, you know, just yeah. downright convert, restart and from scratch was also a very bit strong incentive, I guess then. Yeah, not, yeah, both of those things, like not just have to start from scratch and also that I could pick and choose and do what parts I wanted in Kotlin native and what parts I wanted just in pure native. And uh, yeah, because it's a lot of games, it's a lot of codes, it's 60 plus games at this point, and it's decently complex because of we built this feedback mechanism in, into the games um, to give feedback to the kids. And it's step by step, and it's all determined at runtime based on what they've placed on the screen already. So that's complex code to have to retest as well. So if we went to a completely different technology, that retest cycle would be very long. You started to look at Kotlin in 2017, end of 2017, you said, right? Yeah. Uh, what was the next step? What What did you do next? 
So the next was actually I got derailed looking at more of the business side of stuff. We were looking at funding. So um, and I had a business um, advisor at that time and she was going to come on board as CEO. And so we went looking for funding and we did that cycle. So I burned some time in that. But in spring of um, 2018, she decided she she was going to retire instead, that she didn't want to continue. So that was a big blow because I'm more on the tech side. I'm not as much of a business person. So it would be hard for me to get funding without, you know, having a business person on board. Yeah. Uh, And I would also burn a lot of cycles just raising funding instead of actually doing code. So at that point. And were you at this point, you said because you had reached where you had to get rid of your your entire team, right? So it was just back to you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's and, back to me. And you were having, you had a full-time job during this as well, or? No, no. So for the last seven years, I haven't worked, or seven or eight years, I have not worked on a, I mean, this is my full-time job, okay. basically. So you I continued am, on to with this project, right? You just had to yeah. let go of everyone else, essentially. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. So, so then I was like, okay. So I thought, why not? I'll just try it and see if it works. At least I needed to have a proof of concept of whether it would work or not. So I started building that. I think it was June. I, there was a couple of things I had to update with the current app, and then I finished that. And then in June uh, last year, I started building the um, proof of concept with Kotlin Native. So it took about, I think, a month or two to build that initial proof of concept. So the build part was, the setup was the most complicated part, I think. Um, Just getting a very simple, you know, draw a green box on the (laughs) screen. That was the most complicated. That was the proof, but that was also the proof of concept. Once once that was done, like, it looked like, okay, the rest is possible. Yeah. So... It's um, like, look, kids, I got a green box. It, it's I awesome. <laughs> yeah, they were not impressed. <laughs> like, mom, this uh, game looks way better, you know, than than a green box. Yeah, but it's a green box. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it took like two months to get the green box, <laughs> and then um, I don't know how many, t- at least tens of thousands of lines of code to port them. It just took a couple of months after that. Yeah. No, so, I know. I I totally get it because it's like it's 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 you know, sometimes when that initial thing works and you're like, "Oh my god, this is so awesome." And then you show it to someone you're like, "Huh?" Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But you don't know how much work went into this green box, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, that was, that felt pretty good. The green box felt pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So, um yeah. But also, I mean, uh, to some extent, uh, it was good. I didn't have time pressure. I didn't have, you know, expectations beforehand. I did have expectations, some expectations, but it was like, I also was kind of ready for things not to work and just to keep struggling through stuff. And at the same time, I also had this push that I have to get it done uh, or I have to try as much as possible. I can't just give up because it's, important for the company or for the next step of the company yeah did you at any point kind of say okay this is a no-go like just kotlin native is just not going to work this whole multi-platform stuff is just not going to work no really no wow 
Yeah, so there was lots of times where it was like, I can't solve this problem today. I'm just going to sleep on it, you know, or I need to just go take a walk outside or, you know, let me go through source code sometimes even. But it was not that it doesn't work or wouldn't work. Yeah. So at what point did you actually reach your first prototype in iOS? So the first, uh, I think it was probably, oh, so Barb was coming back in September because kids were back in school and she was going to start testing. So by September, I had kindergarten done. So 30, 30 lessons for kindergarten and all the games that it had. I think there's 30 plus games. I had all of those done. Okay. So and, and let me pause there for a second. Uh, so you started to pick Kotlin up in end of December. Come June, you said you had kind of like a prototype working, right? No, actually, I think June I started building the prototype, so probably July. Okay. And before then, did you know, uh, I mean, did you know Swift, Objective-C, iOS development or not at all? No, not at all. <laughs> so I picked those along the way too. Wow. Uh, uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I guess they're kind of not that different, right? Yeah. I didn't have to do too much Objective-C, thankfully. Yeah. So it was based, uh, the base classes that I used that then Kotlin native, through Kotlin native, that it was only about like 10 or 15 classes. It's like drawing functionality, audio, uh, the game loop, and touch handling. Yeah. Yeah. So in between somewhere there, I may, yeah, I, I don't remember where I did Swift. I know I brought, bought a book, Swift for Kids or something it was called, or iOS Development for Kids. And I thought it was about kids' apps, but it turned out the book was actually to teach kids. <laughs> but it was perfect, though, because <laughs> it was so step-by-step. -step, so it was perfect. It was just simple. And once I got the simple part of it, then you know, going from there to the more complicated was not hard and how was the mapping of that you know i mean being completely new to ios development uh, i mean i i i don't do mobile development so i can't really judge but how similar is ios to android in the sense of i mean how similar is it i mean it's actually very very similar like you know uh path like, there's like a path for drawing paths in Android, which we use a lot to draw stuff on the screen. And then there's like UI Bezier path in iOS. So there's equivalence almost down the line, right? It doesn't look, it is not the exact same functionality or actually it's the exact same functionality, but it's not the exact same names of functions and stuff. So it just took a little bit of searching to find those. Yeah, And, and then the rest is built on top of that, so. So coming to the rest, actually, I'm assuming that, you know, again, I'm not familiar with game development, but I assume that there's a lot of logic in there, right? Which is yeah. shared across the multiple platforms. Yeah, so that's the beauty of it. All that logic got shared. Yeah. So that was very nice. So one of the things, you know, the difference is that when people ask me, like, you know, how is uh, your... The, your approach to multi-platform development different from things like uh, Flutter, etc. We we say, well, you share business logic code, right? 
And a lot of times I think that I'm, it, it's doing a disservice to say that, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but people often think that business logic literally means just business logic as in I'm doing a business application, but generally there's yeah. a lot of shared code base there, right? That yeah. uh, essentially, you know, you, you share as much as you can and then you delegate functionality when it comes to the UI to the different platforms, right? Yeah. That's basically what we did. But I mean, for us, the games are not UI in that sense. Because the games we are actually drawing, we take over the whole screen. We're not using UI widgets for the games, if that makes sense. Yes. So that's all, to us, that's all business logic in a sense, um, including the drawing logic. Okay, so let's dig a little bit deeper in there because again, I'm not familiar with how that actually works. But can you actually reuse a lot of that as well? Like, do you have classes that says, I don't know, let's say that your game has, you know, skittles or, or, or other elements that you may use to represent addition. Do you share much of that? And then do you use the whole uh, expect and actual uh, yeah. functionality in, in, in Kotlin? Yeah. So, for example, that's your, what you're talking about is an image loading. So we use um, an image class that's a wrapper, and then we have a um, implementation in Android and iOS using the expects and actual. So there's an image loader, and once the image is loaded, um, after that there is a drawing function. Same thing we use there. The drawing functions use expect and actual, uh, but there's only about like ten or fifteen classes that are doing that layer, which is the game SDK sort of layer. And then on top of that, all of the logic that it's like, okay, get me this image and that image, and then display this image over here and compute the screen dimensions and figure out where it goes and what animations to run when and what input to take and all that stuff. Everything is in Kotlin native. In Kotlin native or in Basically, it's in Kotlin. Yeah, in common. Okay. It's single code base, yeah, in common. So that's a lot of shared code. It is a ton. Yeah, it's 80% of the application, so um, probably, possibly more. The thing that we didn't do end up doing initially, I did experiment with it where it was like the, the initial launch screen where we have all the lessons display, you know, they can tap to start the lesson. And that's a list view or recycler view or, you know, the stand, standard UI widget. So I experimented with doing that with the, our game SDK too, and we were able to do it, but it's a lot of work to um, to get the exact animations that like the iOS provides. Like at the end, when you swipe more than the, um, at the end of the list, if you swipe, it kind of does animations to show that you're at the end of the list and things like that. So those are a lot more work to do and so I backed off from that, and I did those screens in uh, platform-specific, so in Swift or in Kotlin for Android. Now, since you've been focusing a lot on the graphics, that you're essentially drawing a lot of things yourself, mm -hmm. um, have you done development of more business line of applications in Android outside of this? Um, I have not. I worked on somebody else's project for a little bit, but not for long. The fact that you were doing a lot of the gra 
drawing things yourself essentially and then delegating the last possible moment to the platform. Mm -hmm. uh, whether for general business lines of applications, whether that percentage that you're talking about of 80% would vary, uh, you know, would there be more control delegated to UI widgets, etc. If if this wasn't, uh, you know, a game, in, in essence, where you have to do custom drawing? Do you, do you see what I'm asking here? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Which is absolutely yeah. fair. Yeah, it, I guess it depends on how much business logic they have, right? It comes back to that. And outside of the business logic, uh, application logic or whatever you want to call it, where you have, for instance, logging, you have uh, security, you have authentication, all of these things. Yeah. Did you find resources online? Like, Did you find libraries that were Kotlin, native, multi-platform? Or did you have to essentially write all of this yourself too? Yeah, I had to write it. So logging was simple, right? I, we didn't try to do any. I didn't try to do anything complex. So, um, yeah. Yeah. But most of it had to write it. There was no. Because again, you were really early adopter. Like, yeah, I, I'm exactly. really impressed that not only did you take the risks to adopt this, uh, but and I don't mean this in any negative way towards us, uh, but you were very successful with it, right? Because yeah. you know you developed this, you've got it working now in iOS, and then what do you do? What what was the next thing that you did? So, um, so yeah, so September, Barb started coming. She she was doing testing on the app, um, so she started testing, and then I went on to build the first and second grade. Um, so, and then we went through the publishing process for first grade, I think through October, November for iOS, and then published all three grades end of December last year. So yeah, when we were testing, we found some interesting problems uh, during that time because she started testing and it was like, she's filing bugs uh, left and right. And I'm like, they're all the same bug, you know, they're all fundamentally the same problem. Um, so there was a couple of things um, in there. I, I wrote about them on my blog, but um, there was uh, there's some initialization if you call an init function uh, a, a function through the init block, um, and that function is overridden in the subclass, then it behaves differently on Android versus on iOS in how the subclass variables are initialized. So some of them were turning up null on iOS, but they were fine on Android. So Is that documented so, behavior or is that a bug? No, I don't think. That's I don't bug. know whether it's a bug or a feature. Right, okay. <laughs> we should I tend that to just <laughs> work with things. I tend to just sort of work with things as they are and just make sure that, you know, it's not a bug for my, my customers anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like so, that. It's like, I don't care if it's a bug or I'll just work around it so that it becomes... <laughs> That's cool. And, so, and and you said that, you know, initially, of course, that you went to some publishers, uh, which is kind of what stalled things where they were expecting you to have uh, multi-platform support, right? Uh, so once you did this testing and you had the essentially the product now serving multiple yeah. platforms, what was the next step? I mean, what did you do? Did you go back to them and say, look, now I've got it on iOS? Uh, yeah, I did that eventually too, but initially I started with uh, trials in schools. So 
yeah, we when we were Android only, we had a lot more problem getting started with school trials. Uh, That's interesting. Just, yeah, there's not that many. Um, they don't have tablets usually, or they have iPads, but not Android tablets. And they do have touchscreen Chromebooks, but at least at that time, um, a lot of the people had Android apps. Uh, schools had Android apps turned off on them. And uh, we're not big enough, and we'd go to the teacher. Teachers would want it, but IT would tell their school IT would tell them, no, we're not turning it on, or oh, come back in two years and we'll turn it on then, or something like that. And that was like 2017 when we were trying that. So we couldn't get any school trials started at that time. But and also I think the um, some of the people who have iPads, they were early adopters and they kind of maybe have more of an early adopter mindset. So so I started uh, asking for trials in Jan this year and we have like 10, 11 trials actually now, 11 schools in trials. So that Are was these really- Are all Seattle local schools or nationwide? No, nationwide. Wow. Nationwide, even one in Canada. Yeah, so- well, Northwest Canada, so close by. Actually, they're the closest one I think we have. Uh, uh, so, yeah, so we did that. And then as I was like marketing it and stuff, then also started talking to the same publishers that we'd talked to before and also new ones. And that's still in discussions. So, I, I mean, for me personally, I still want to license it because I don't have that business side of the company or the people to manage that side of stuff i'd like to keep building more product and or more um games and more lessons for kids and um license it to people who can and, and what is the business model if i may ask it's it like through licensing its royalties or when it's direct sales it is available for direct sales for parents so it's uh subscriptions okay. so it's because okay. I mean, yeah. I know that, for example, my kids, uh, you know, the smaller one in school, they've they have some applications, uh, which is kind of subscribed through the school. Exactly. And then they have like access to parents, and some of them try to, you know, that they offer like, uh, you know, the premium option where, as a parent, you could view some other features and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, um, yeah, this is. The goal is to eventually sell it to schools and yeah, and then the parents and have it accessible at home as well. So they can use it both at school at home. And are you building up the company again? Because now there's two of you, right? Or is there more now? Uh, so yeah, Barb has always been sort of supportive and she was coming in part-time to do the testing. So it was, she was able to do that. She's actually the designer, uh, the game, game design and art she does that portion and uh, she was able to do that part-time. So we've actually been working on a completely different project for the last couple of months that just released. And that was one of her projects. And she wanted to build a math storybook, interactive math storybook app. So that just published. That we actually did in Unity. So that one made sense for Unity. It was very design heavy and animation heavy and it wasn't as much content. And uh, so it was more like a regular game. Um, so it didn't need to be an app. It didn't need reporting and dashboards and it didn't need features for teachers. 
and you know different features like that it didn't need logins so yeah and I, and i'm i'm assuming that unity has a lot more support for you know gaming primitives and characters and things like that right yeah it does have support for all that um it's challenging in its own ways though yeah i was going to i'm saying i'm hearing a but somewhere <laughs> coming yeah i mean we couldn't have built or we can't uh, i really realize now that we can't build what we built for infinite math using unity the k through 2 stuff um it's just too many games so we we had this one simple app and it was eating up about 300 megs of memory um at runtime and it's unity is loading all the scenes in the beginning and it's like wow that's not going to work if you have 60 plus games in an app so it could be you know it's possible to optimize all that stuff i'm not sure or override that somehow um but then you'd probably be going against the framework rather than working with it so um yeah i'm glad i didn't try to build what we did in unity that would have been much more much more nightmarish so knowing what you know now and i always i always ask this without giving context but in the context some i won't in the context of kotlin adoption of kotlin and kotlin native any regrets because normally i like i i suddenly out of the blue i say to people any regrets and they're like what in life in in general <laughs> <laughs> uh, no it's worked out really good it's very stable works well um i was actually quite surprised even the beta version like you said was very stable uh, yeah i haven't Only asked you about uh tooling and and be honest how did you find the tooling was that challenging yeah i mean you know debug's not available right but yeah. we never really relied that much on debug um cuz we're we're running a game loop you know debug's not that useful with every 17 um milliseconds or whatever so much log ha going or so much happening um so in most of the games were already debugged uh, or already sorted. And if we wanted to run debug, we could always run it on the Android side. So uh, we didn't really have that issue. Yeah, because a lot of the features for the support came later on, right? Yeah, so again, as an yeah. early adopter, you were really out there in, hey, here's a command line and you can compile yeah. this stuff, right? Oh, app code was slow. It was painful. Yeah. App code was very, very slow trying uh, to do completion and stuff. But fortunately, I only had to do those 10, 15 classes in App code. So after that, I just basically did the rest in Android Studio. Well, that's really cool. I, I, I really think that, um, you know, again, kudos for not only delivering on this, but pioneering on it. I think it's really absolutely awesome. Uh, it was really, really fun. And I kind of knew I was sort of ahead of the curve so it made it even more fun you, you weren't ahead of the curve you're like i'm a, you know there's people ahead of the curve and i'm just like you know six miles beyond that already you know it was that, that's that's really nice to hear actually no it really is and and what what is kind of sad for me is that i only learned about your story very recently you know and i wish i could hear about these things quicker and and as they happen 
Uh, did you actually interact at all with the team? Are you on the Kotlin Slack? Did 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 you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on the Kotlin native Slack. Yeah. Okay. A little bit here and there, you know, asking questions and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I think our situation was a little bit unique, like you said. So yeah, a lot of the times I just figured it out. I got to talk to a Kotlin native team and say, hey, you know, once in a while, if you get really cool, awesome questions from people that are doing really cool, awesome stuff, maybe you let me and others know. It's like, <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, well, Anna, it was absolutely awesome to have you on the show. Uh, really great story. And I'm I'm really happy that it worked out well. Um, thank you. So again, thank you for taking the time to come on and, and share your success. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely.